watchers in the fourth dimension. Oh, I'm being all over. Life depends on change and renewal. And the final end. Hello and welcome back to Watchers in the Fourth Dimension. I'm Anthony. I'm Don. I'm Julie. And I'm Riley. And this episode, we're back to do our wrap-up of Season 4. For those of you who haven't heard one of these before, the way that we handle this is that we look back on the season through a series of award-style categories using both qualitative measures, i.e. how we feel about certain things, along with some more data-driven quantitative metrics that we've gathered along the course of the season. Season 4 has, of course, been a season with a huge amount of change. We started the season with the first Doctor, Ben and Polly, and ended it with the second Doctor, Jamie and Victoria. The Cybermen were introduced. We had two appearances from the Daleks, and the latter one was the last one we will see them for in a very long time. This season has literally changed the show and introduced something that meant that it could survive up to this very, very day. So, with that brief introduction, we're going to jump straight in. As usual, we will take a reverse alphabetical approach to each question, which means that Riley will answer first, followed by Julie, then Don, and then myself. With that, our first category is Best and Worst Stories Based on Your Judgment. And just to remind everyone, the options are The Smugglers, The Tenth Planet, The Power of the Daleks, The Highlanders, The Underwater Menace, The Moon Base, The Macro Terror, The Faceless Ones, and The Evil of the Daleks. Riley, over to you. Best story, the Macro Terra. I was going back and forth between this and the Moon Base, and I decided to give it to the Macro Terra. One reason is that it isn't the Daleks or the Cybermen at play here. We get something brand new. The fact that we have a new adversary adds to the mystery of the serial, since we aren't sure of their motives or backstory. I especially enjoyed the great horror beats in it, like the glowing eyes in the dark, the vacated settlement at night and the video broadcast reveal of the controller. Also, the serial has a great humor scene of Jamie with the pep squad, if everyone remembers that. Plus, there are nice elements of a conspiracy thriller that runs through it, and a message about conformity. Overall, I just think it's the strongest. Okay, and your least favorite? Oh, <laughs> okay. I figure the smugglers will get enough of a lashing from everyone else. So I didn't want to just beat on that dead horse. I went with a story that shouldn't get away without some criticism in this episode, and that is The Faceless Ones. As Don mentioned last time, it is really clear that with Classic Who, there are some pacing problems, and we've covered that enough. But it needs to be brought up here because due to the location of this serial, watching this story makes you feel like you're waiting at an airport. Uh, it's not That's not really a great feeling for a sci-fi adventure show. The story also suffers from a plot structure that is too repetitive. We have the gang going to the Chameleon Airlines hangar, then spying around at the terminal, then back to the Commandant and repeat. Also, the Chameleon's plan isn't quite clear as to how stealing human beings would help them and the resolution of the story overall is weak. At least the Smugglers has the advantage of being shorter and had some hilariously outrageous characters like Captain Pike. So I choose... The Faceless Ones is the worst story. Fair enough. Okay, Julie, over to you. Well, I think Riley and I were a little bit more of an agreement than usual. <clears throat> so for me, the best story is also the Macro Terra. One of the things I really thought was the companions all had things to do, which is always a big one for me because I don't like to see them just sitting around doing nothing. And it was fun. So, you know, I could go on and on about all of that. And I will, yes, say that the worst story is The Smugglers, because we all keep forgetting that it exists. It's about pirates, and yet I'm not excited about the pirates, especially because they, na they name drop a pirate, and it's just like, I don't understand why we're name dropping this pirate. 
<laughs> it has one redeeming quality, and that one redeeming quality is that there's a whole bunch of shirtless men. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a lost episode, so what's the point? <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to cite that as a pro other than you on this show, Julie. So uh, with that, Don, your turn. My choice is a little bit different. While I do agree that the Macro Terror is a really good story, I think overall my favorite of this season was Power of the Daleks. I liked that it gave our new Doctor an old foe to face, but I liked the way they were presented in a different, more cunning way. I liked the fact that there was just a lot of tension in the episode as we waited for them to finally reveal their plan. But at the same time, because of the political machinations of the humans, that colony was pretty much doomed anyway. Obviously, my vote for the worst story was The Smugglers, because it is just boring. I think I might have a different opinion if it were recovered, but it's, that, yeah, that's the worst story by a mile. I mean, even though, like Riley said, The Faceless Ones does have some issues, overall I enjoyed that one much more. That's fair and honestly don it's my turn and i'm going to be in complete agreement with you on both of those i was genuinely surprised by how much i enjoyed the power of the daleks i think i'm on record as having said previously that i tended to think of the power of the daleks and the evil of the daleks together given that they were both trout and dalek stories and the only trout and dalek stories and i growing up partially because of that incredibly nostalgic Tom Baker cassette tape version, was in love with The Evil of the Daleks. But watching this all in order for the podcast has caused me to reevaluate this a little, and I was surprised at how strong the power of the Daleks was. There was not a lot of padding. To Don's point, it has the, the bonus of something very familiar while introducing the new Doctor. It's surprisingly pacey, it's surprisingly deep, yet also shallow at the same time the whole thing is literally about the daleks needing electricity there's no deeper meaning to the power of the daleks but it really really works and i really enjoyed it and like everyone else my least favorite is the smugglers i think i've said on the show before that for me the worst thing doctor who can ever be is boring and the smugglers as we have it in its current form is boring so that's a pass from me which brings us on to our next items Best and worst moment, Riley. Best moment to me, the fish people ballet from the Underwater Menace. The music, the costumes, the composition of the long shot, uh, are, are, they're just dreamlike to me. You can tell that they put in some money and effort for this scene, and it was mostly just to add atmosphere. Scenes like this are the one of the things I love about Who, especially classic Who. It's just an attempt to engage the viewer's imagination, and to quote David Lynch, it transports us to a place both wonderful and strange. And just to have that happen is just a fantastic thing. I also have to say the gathering of the Cybermen for the upcoming assault on the moon base in the moon base was also fantastic. But that's my best moment. My worst moment, I felt that something from the smugglers would have fit here, but I believe that the serial was so terrible that most of us have blotted it out of our minds. So I believe that the worst moment was the Ben and Polly farewell from the Faceless Ones. Sorry to drag on the Faceless Ones again, but I know they had only been with the Doctor for seven serials prior to that serial, but it just felt so abrupt and empty. And maybe this is my new Who experience coming through and asking for dramatic farewells to companions. But it just felt just wrong. I mean, outside of that, 
as the audience, we've connected, or at least I did a little bit with at least Polly, if if not both Polly and Ben. And just to see them kind of just go, eh, we're going to leave. It, it just rang really hollow with me. That's fair. Julie. All right. I try to narrow it down to one best moment, but of course I never can. One of the things I really enjoyed was in the Highlanders, any interaction between Polly and Fafinch. <laughs> I just really loved Polly really being a badass and taking no crap and just using her words to convince Fafinch that she could do whatever needed to get done and steal things from him. Um, but then still being sweet at the end and giving him a kiss. I just thought that that was a really fun story arc for a companion. So that's what I went with. I also did like, as an honorable mention, is Jamie dancing the Highland Fling during the Macro <laughs> Terror. Because I wish we had gotten to see all of that. At least we had a little bit of animation to kind of see where that was going. But that was a lot of fun. And the worst moment, I already alluded to it earlier, but really it was the name drop of Samuel Pike at the end of The Smugglers. Because I remember watching it and I was like, am I supposed to know who this is? Is this some famous pirate? And I go look it up. I'm like, oh, no, no, absolutely not. He's just some random dude. That's nice. All right. I think that makes a lot of sense. Don, your turn. I think my best moment actually occurred in Evil of the Daleks. And it's the moment where the doctor tells Jamie not to touch anything and then immediately knocks something over with his butt and Jamie has to catch it. That is just a delightful character slash comedy moment. And I love it to death. My worst moment is a little unusual because it doesn't actually happen. For me, the worst moment was the BBC cutting out the refreshing department scene from the Macro Terror. Uh, uh, the, mm, yeah, the rough and tumble yeah. machine. Yes. And all of that. Yep. That should have been there. That was another good character moment for our new doctor. And I will never understand why someone was allowed to, to get away with removing that. Fire that person. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, that person was allowed to continue working on things. Stone them. Yes, yeah, stone them. <laughs> Let's get biblical. Yes. <laughs> All right, I'm going to be a little predictable. My best moment, and this is mostly because I just love saying it, is nothing in the world can stop me now. <laughs> you guys knew that was coming. It's just so silly. It's so over the top. It's so ridiculous. It's just so fun. Conversely, is that also your worst moment? No. Because it could be. It could apply. It could. <laughs> but no, I enjoy it too much for it to be my worst moment. My worst moment aside from the entirety of the smugglers, was the random kidnapping of Jamie in Evil of the Daleks, which I know I commented as what was the point in it. And even after we talked about it, I'm still not sure if I see personally the point in that entire sequence. So that's my worst moment. Next up, best lead actor. And as a reminder, the best lead actor is anyone who is a series regular, no matter how many stories they actually appear in this season. So the nominees are William Hartnell as the Doctor, Patrick Troughton as the Doctor, Annika Wills as Polly, Michael Craze as Ben, Fraser Hines as Jamie, and Deborah Watling as Victoria. Riley, over to you. Best lead actor, I'm going for Annika Wills. Troughton will get his place in the sun later. He's got a lot of time, but she needs to get praise for her time on the show. It wasn't very long, but she needs to get recognized for it. Her performance is really measured and it's calming, and yet it still pulls in our attention despite 
been shouting. <laughs> we still, we still focus on her. She still pulls you in. Since this is the '60s, '60s television that is, she does have to play the damsel in distress a few times, but she does it without going over the top. It feels real and not outlandish. As Julie mentioned earlier, her performance in the Highlanders, where she plays around with Finch, is a pleasure. And I also even enjoyed her as Michelle Lupi or Lupe from Zurich in The Faceless Ones. She provided a really stabilizing force on the show. I felt for the for the gang. She had to deal with Ben. She has to deal with it. She, ha- she has to deal with a new doctor and the addition of a new companion. I feel like she was the anchor for the show, in my opinion, and she did a fantastic job. And she needs to get recognized for it. Solid. Okay, Julie. I mean, I don't want to seem obvious on who I want to choose, but Do I'll it. go ahead and choose it anyway. Yes, I'm going to go with Fraser Hines. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> well, what I love about it is. In the other seasons when, oh, hey, we're going to bring Katarina on. Oh, wait, she's from the past. We can't make that work. False. Jamie makes it work and he's wonderful about it. I love seeing his reaction to new technology, him being freaked out for a moment. Someone explains to him what it is and then he's like, oh, okay. And he moves on, which is really nice. And he is smart. He's not just the muscle. He helps the doctor figure things out. And once he, you know, picks up steam after Ben and Polly leave. So yes, he's my favorite. It doesn't hurt that he has the accent and wears a kilt all the time, which is phenomenal. I'm hoping that that continues. But yes, obviously the honorable mention is Patrick Chapman for me. Okay. I would be lying if I said I was shocked by your decision, Julie. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to another two season wrap ups of Fraser Hines being the best lead actor as nominated by Julie. Don, you're up next, sir. As much as I want to be a smart ass and say, you know, Ben, obviously I'm not. <laughs> no offense, Michael Praise. I have to go with Patrick Troughton. It seems like yeah. the obvious choice, but also if he hadn't come into this role and pretty much immediately make it his own, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. I found him amazing and mesmerizing, and he played it with a degree of subtlety and humor, and he didn't just try to copy what happened before. He's amazing, and it, it really hurts me that so much of his tenure is gone. With a special honorable mention, yes, to to Annika Wills, because she's just really good. And I, I think that Riley put it best. She really is the anchor to the show to help with that transition. She's also a lot smarter than the writers and especially some of the fans seem to think with her coffee and all that, because it's usually <laughs> actually being said, hey, I know you're really smart and I need you to do this and we're going to codify it by saying you're making coffee. She was really good. And from my perspective, I'm going to have to agree on Patrick Troughton for much the same reasons as as you stated, Don. I think, and, and you alluded to it, but I'm going to say it a lot more bluntly, if they had made the wrong casting decision, the show would have been over. And he came in and he was magical from the very beginning. 
I think it's, again, as you say, such a shame that so much of this season is missing because so much of his performance is in his physical actions. But the fact that we're still having this conversation and talking about how charismatic he is, when we don't even see that for the first 11 episodes of his tenure because we're watching them through reconstructions and animations, that's incredible. And to me, there's no alternative for this category for me. It's Patrick Troughton every time. Which brings us on to the next category, which is Best Supporting Actor, which is every actor who wasn't listed as a nominee for Best Lead Actor. So Riley, we will start with you. Robert Beatty as General Cutler in The Tenth Planet. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yes, I'm serious. He threatened to yeet you if you didn't nominate him. Yes. <laughs> yes, he did. When I think about this season, you know, we have classic villains, a surprisingly large amount of over-the-top mad scientists. I think I can count three off the top of my head. What we get here is we get a character that isn't technically a villain, but slowly evolves into one. He isn't obsessed with conquest or achieving some crazy scientific goal. This is just a guy whose job it is to defend the planet from outside threats, and he breaks because of his too militaristic approach and the stress over his son's safety, and the, his son's eventual death does drive him over the edge. I, I don't know, I maybe I'm just too much of a Kubrick fan and I see like a General Ripper kind of character <laughs> from Dr. Strangelove out of him, but I really enjoyed it. And maybe it's just the writing of how the character evolves. I like the idea of a character starting off as just your standard kind of stock character and then developing into something more. And practically at the end of the 10th plan, he's a villain. Also, his World War II movie U.S. general voice was fantastic, right on point, because I believe that Robert Beatty was Canadian, not American. He was. Yes. Also, I have to give an honorable mention here to the actor whose name I didn't even bother to look up, but he plays the examiner in The Power of the Daleks, and his entire performance was, Hello? Is there anyone there? Hello? Why don't they come? Oh, so you've come at last. I'm from Earth. I'm the examiner. <coughs> oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Julie, over to you. All right. My best supporting character is actually going to be Sonny Caldinas, who played Kamel in Evil of the Daleks. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Because they were starting up a Jamie Kamel team up, which would have been the perfect pairing of companions because Jamie is just so nice to him and he realized who Jamie was and how good he was and just wanted to help after that. And he really liked Victoria and he was just really a gentle giant and just became dangerous when he was told to be. And he learned that he could actually decide when he wanted to. So I just really wanted to have seen that happen. And I thought he did a really good job in the what one or two episodes that we got of that. And my honorable mention is Madoc from the Microterra because of just the epic <laughs> beard. Just the beard. Love it. Yeah. Angry Ringo star. <laughs> yes. Done. Your turn. I'm officially changing my answer because Julie's right <laughs> on this one. It should have been Camille. <laughs> He was great, and I would have liked to have seen more of him teaming up with Jamie. I think my initial answer, which I worried over a bit, was the guy that played Zaroff. Not that he's really the best actor, but I enjoyed his scenery-chewing insanity. So he took some fairly boring, not really having a great, well-thought-out plan, and he elevated it by just being completely bonkers. 
he certainly came across that way. And what's amazing about him is if you see him in anything else, he's actually a very, very good actor. So he was deliberately playing it that way. How many opportunities do you get as an actor to do that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love it. But honestly, some of you guys, given my uh, favorite moment, might have expected me to pick Joseph first as Professor Zaroff. But I've gone for Robert James as Lesterson. Good choice. Oh, yeah. You know, his slow descent, he, he starts off very confident in all of his theories, and you see him as, as everything he believes is slowly proven wrong about the Daleks. And he begins this slow descent into madness, and it's just brilliantly played across the six episodes. So he is my pick for this particular category. I would, however, give Joseph First as Professor Zaroff an honourable mention, since we're doing that. I thought you were going to say Inspector Gascoigne from the Faceless Ones. <laughs> I seem to remember you enjoyed him. I did, but I wouldn't say he was the best supporting actor. He he was good though. Yes. That was I think Bernard K Inspector Inspector Crossland, you mean? I thought it was Gascoigne. Gascoigne. No, got Gascoigne killed early was on. murdered. That's right. Ah, yeah. oh, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, Bernard K is Inspector Crossland. I enjoyed his performance, but it, it wasn't at the same level as as Lesterson or or even Zaroff. But speaking of Zaroff. Our next category is Best and Worst Villain. And to remind everyone, the nominees are, as I have defined them, Captain Pike in The Smugglers, Boo. the <laughs> Cybermen in The Tenth Planet and the Moonbase, the Daleks in The Power of the Daleks and The Evil of the Daleks, Solicitor Grey in The Highlanders, Professor Zaroff in The Underwater Menace, the Macra in The Macra Terror, and the chameleons in the faceless ones. So, Riley, we start with you. It's just too obvious. It's got to be the Cybermen. I mean, this is their debut season. They're fantastic, fantastic design. They're just stunning. And the look, the voice, the backstory they get, it's all wonderful. They're timeless, and they've been with the show ever since. Before you talk about worst villain, do you prefer the Tenth Planet Cybermen or the Moonbase Cybermen? I was about to talk about that. I actually can't make a decision off that, but I wanted—I was about to state how I really enjoyed that they made an adjustment between between the two serials. I thought that was really fresh and it kept them very interesting. I, I enjoyed it. I do recall that I. I think I preferred the look of the Tenth Planet Cybermen, but I preferred the voices of the Cybermen from the Moonbase, if I remember correctly. Worst villain, yeah, Pike from The Smugglers. He's just not an interesting character. He's one-dimensional. He does, as me and Don love to point out, the silly thing of killing his own henchmen. <laughs> his only positive is his silly pirate expressions that he uses, but that isn't enough to make a good villain on its own. And really, I think I may have mentioned that before when we talk about The Smugglers. That is, if you want to watch that, that's the only thing of value we'll pull from it is just silly pirate expressions like Thomas Tickler and things like that. Fair enough. Okay, Julie. Uh, this one's really tough because I actually might go with, with best villain of Professor Zaroff because just the crazy chewing up the scenery nonsense that happens. I love a scientist gone crazy. Those stories are just really fun to me. And it really led to a really fun story when they're sinking Atlantis. And my worst villain, I've actually decided to go with the chameleons from the faceless ones. And the reason why I'm choosing them is because this whole serial, they're doing everything within their power to do what they need to do. And then at the very end, when the doctor's like, hey, you need to stop, they're like, okay. Like, I don't understand. Like, I just feel like there would have been a lot more fight at the end. So I, it just kind of fell off. 
yeah in their defense after like seven episodes they were just done just okay whatever (laughs) (laughs) okay that's fair but yeah it just it it didn't really hold an appeal and i i didn't really understand the exact reasoning and then when at the end they're just like oh i guess it's fine we'll just go back to having no faces whatever Uh, then why were you trying to do this the whole time didn't make any sense that is a valid argument julie (laughs) no problem don what are your thoughts to me i think the best villain it's the cyberman and i do have an opinion it's the 10th planet version those are the ones i find that have the creepiest design i like the voices a little bit better because i had some trouble understanding them in the moon base and it's well before they get to that awkward and hideous way too large headphone look that occurs in the 70s and 80s that I really hate and I'm going to complain about it endlessly once we get there. So be forewarned. As for the worst, I'm going to have to go with Zaroff. What? <laughs> Is he just too much for you, Don? As a villain, his motivations are really just, hey, I'm crazy and want to destroy the world. The actor sells it and he's really good. So when I say worst, I don't mean unenjoyable. He's very enjoyable and and great to watch and just to watch him devouring the scenery. But as a villain, his evil plan really just does boil down to, well, I'm crazy and I'm going to destroy the world. Watch out, Zaroff. Don just did stop you now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know how to follow that up. Okay, so... From my side, I'm agreeing on the Cybermen, and I'm going to go with Don and specifically say the Tenth Planet Cybermen. To me, they're just creepy. To me, they look far more like people that have been augmented with all this technology than later Cybermen do. The bare hands really sell it. The way the mouth just opens and sound comes out of it, I find that so creepy. The concept was amazing, and I really, really salute Dr. Kip Hedler for developing them. Anthony, did you prefer the voice from the Tith Planet as well for them? I actually did. I really, really like that kind of sing-songy robotic voice. I think it's so different oh, no. and so weird. That's interesting. So we're all in agreement on the look, though. That's We're only in a disagreement to one regarding the voice. Yeah. And then for worst villain, I'm going to have to go with Solicitor Grey. That's fair. Simply because, bluntly, I don't really want a slave trading lawyer in Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's fair. Dog 2 for me is often escapism. Mm. I, I know it often has a social commentary to it, but to have that character in there, he, he just doesn't work for me. Yeah, I could have done without him. Okay, so next up, and acknowledging that we are missing most of the season, so these next two are actually pretty hard to tell, we have the category of Best Director. Riley, take us away, sir. Best Director. Oh, I should tell you the nominations. The nominations are Julia Smith, director of The Smugglers and The Underwater Menace. Derek Martinez, director of The Tenth Planet and The Evil of the Daleks. Christopher Barry, director of The Power of the Daleks. Hugh David, director of The Highlanders. Morris Barry, director of The Moonbase. John Davies, director of The Macra Terror. And Jerry Mill, director of The Faceless Ones. I would have to go with John Davies for The Macra Terror. The director category is tough, like you said before, with so many missing episodes. But just watching the animation, it showed that I thought the direction here was outstanding. 
he was able to set a great mood of a hidden conspiracy and paranoia from for the story from the start. And then it develops and grows in a very creepy way with everyone with the forced happiness and the smiles and the clear, clean exterior. All the while, he is providing what I'm assuming are wonderful shots because <laughs> we're dealing with the animation <laughs> and occasional very good beats of humor. I just wish he had was provided a better creature design, but he did well despite of it. Uh, worst director? Hang on, hang on. I've got to say the name of that award. Oh, and the yeah, Richard sorry. Martin Award for Worst Director goes to... <laughs> Uh, Jerry Mill for the faceless ones. Uh, it's 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 hard, you know. I believe Julie may have mentioned this that in a season that's missing so many episodes, it's really hard to pick someone for this. There's so many reconstructions, and you don't want to call someone out for being the worst. And it is also probably unfair for him because he had no control over the script. Uh, but out of all the other candidates available, no none other stood out to me. So I'm sorry. Jerry, but someone has to take this award and it's going to be you for having the bad luck of being tasked with making this script exciting or interesting. So, sorry. All right. Julie, best and worst director. So for me, I narrowed it down to those who at least had at least one full episode available because <laughs> I thought it was unfair to judge those from director if the episodes were not there. So that really narrows it down. I took to like three stories and three directors. And my best director goes to Julia Smith, but specifically for the underwater menace, not for the smugglers. <laughs> I, I will specify that. I thought that the underwater menace, there was a lot going on. They're in a cramped space for a good portion of it. Unfortunately, we didn't get some of the episodes of the outdoor shots, but she made all of that work. You had the people in the fun costumes and like the maze labyrinth thing that was going on when they were trying to escape and everything. So I think she did a really, really fantastic job with that. And letting Zaroff go off the chain is just wonderful <laughs> and glad that she thought that that was the direction it should go in. So that's my best director. And my worst director was unfortunately Derek Martinez and that's just because I was only picking between three people so I don't think that the um because that was what for the evil of the Daleks because we only had the one episode so again hard to judge on the one episode evil of the Daleks and the 10th planet did the 10th planet have an existing episode yes three out mm -hmm. of the four yes it did Oh, yeah. So, yes, probably also the 10th planet. Because definitely the 10th planet, I don't think I enjoyed as much as everyone else. It is a good Cyberman story, but I just thought that there were a lot of things that needed to be tightened up there. And I was not as big of a fan of the Cyberman as you all were. And so that's kind of why I went in that direction with Derek Martinez. Um, but again, that's just luck of the draw, man. If some of these other ones were, were available, I'd probably go with Jerry Mill or I'd go with Julia Smith as getting the best and the worst. <laughs> that would have been a bold move. <laughs> I almost went there, but I was going by what was available and no smuggler episodes. Sorry, guys. That's fair. Don, I think you're probably going to take a similar approach, right? Knowing you. Something like that. As much as I hate to bring down a fellow Smith, wait, I need to do this in the in the opposite <laughs> order. Uh, for mine, th this is, yep. you can basically just take hers and flip it. Because for mine, <laughs> I, I, I really liked Derek Martinez. He was probably my best of what we had. 
I thought he did a really good job with the 10th planet. And I really love the mystery and tension that occurred at the beginning of Evil of the Daleks. Plus, you had kind of a, a spooky house going on, and I really like that atmosphere. Conversely, for my worst director, and I hate to bring down a fellow Smith, but I, I have to bring down <laughs> Julia Smith for The Smugglers. Because, wow, what a, what a boring story that I remember almost none of. You just don't <laughs> like shirtless men. I mean, that's true, but that's not why I don't like the story. <laughs> uh again no comment okay so my best director i'm going to go with christopher barry for the power of the daleks now granted we don't have any of it and it's been brought to life by animation but the tension in that story and the pacing and how they make six episodes seem like a much shorter story because it's so enjoyable that's down to some brilliant directing from mr barry on top of that, he had the task of introducing the new Doctor and getting the best out of Patrick Troughton from the first story. I think he did a really admirable job with that. My Richard Martin Award for Worst Director <laughs> is going to go, like Riley's, to Jerry Mill. Again, the Faceless Ones, I've just talked about how The Power of the Daleks was pacey and fun and enjoyable and full of tension. The Faceless Ones is six episodes like The Power of the Daleks, but it seems like it's about nine episodes because <laughs> it's padded. And yes, I realise some of that was the script he was given, but a good director will find a way to take that padded script and add tension and make it enjoyable. And uh, it just wasn't. It should have been a four-parter and he couldn't control that, but he could have done a few things to make it a little better. My runner-up would obviously be Julia Smith for the snorefest that was The Smugglers. And then our final qualitative categories are best and worst use of music. So Riley, as usual, we start with you. Best use of music. I mentioned this scene earlier and I, well, my first thought was I wanted to go with the underwater ballet, but I didn't want to hit on that again. This time I'm going to point out the Cybermen gathering to assault the moon base in the moon base. I thought it was tension building it was it played into the moon atmosphere it was really wonderful it was it was spacey yet tension building worst use of music unfortunately was from the underwater menace that would be the entrance music for the ruler of atlantis which Aww. you would assume would have been this wonderful something better than what was given and what we got was something that sounded like it was played by kazoos so <laughs> that was my choice Okay, we move on to our musician in yes. residence, Miss Philippak. So this is going to be an interesting one because honestly, I'm just going to pick one story and talk about the use of music in the story. I'm going with the Macro Terror. I remember making comments during the Macro Terror is that it is a roller coaster. I love the songs that are sung by everybody. They're so happy and upbeat and all this other crazy nonsense, which is scary because no one sings like that on a regular basis as a whole town. So obviously that's not going well. But there are times when the music really didn't work. So honestly, the best and worst music is all enveloped into one story. And that is the Backer Terror. My honorable mention for best music is any time that the doctor plays the recorder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome. that was definitely up there. 
I nearly nominated that for worst moment. <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> I'm a scoundrel. I mean, I would have expected it, that out of Riley. So yeah, I I almost did that, but I didn't want to deal with the flack from angry social media comments. Fair enough. Okay, Don, over to you. I'm gonna have to agree with Riley on both of his choices. The Macro Terror had those amazing, weird town songs, and we got Julie singing because of it, and it was just all good. <laughs> and then you had things like the Underwater Menace, where parts of it worked, and then parts of it really didn't, to where it was just kind of awkward, and you're wondering, what were they trying to go with here? And then you're like, I have no idea, but let's move on. Okay. So I picked, for best use of music, the Macro Terror. It's just so weird. You've got all those... You've got the, the <laughs> jaunty yet kind of creepy songs. You've got the weird electronic noises. I just thought it did something really, really interesting with its music and, and its use of music. And I really enjoyed that. The worst use of music, I'm going to go, probably unfairly, with The Smugglers, because it didn't really have any. <laughs> and it would have been vastly improved if it did have a bit more music in it. I almost went there, but yes. Do we really want a, a scene of Pike sing, singing some sort of sea shanty? Yes. With a bunch of, with Jamaica and the rest of the pirates. I mean, actually, that might have added something to it. You might be right. Yeah. Just something to add a little bit of tension or interest would have been good. Yep completely agree i must say i'm very surprised that no one knocked on power of the daleks for reusing soundtrack bits i could go on all day about all the times that we've reused the, the daleks music so i am in shock that no one either used it as best or worst and i believe that don mentioned this last time in the evil of the daleks that the dalek military kind of like drum beat like military march music that was introduced in evil of daleks i'm surprised no one picked that i almost did that's a good choice so just on the reuse of the music from the daleks i think i said it when we did the episode but for me that was one of the few times that really worked just because at a time when the show's going through a huge 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 amount of change we've got a couple of elements that anchor the show to its origins being the daleks and the associated music despite the change in lead actor that at the time was extremely jarring and we needed a reassuring that yes, this show is still Doctor Who. I thought that was the only time that reusing it actually worked. I would almost agree with you, but while you can tell, and especially since we've been watching this in order and everything, we recognize the music, there's not really a Dalek theme that you could play on the streets that people would know. So it's not if if I were not watching this in order, I wouldn't necessarily know that that was a reuse. And it wasn't very interesting, I think, for the story by itself. Okay, that's fair. Well, that brings us to the end of our awards. So let's take a little dive into our season roundup of our metrics. We had three metrics over the course of this season. The camp count the I'll explain later count, and quarry query. So over the course of the season, we racked up 19 points over the nine stories on the camp count. We had zero instances for the I'll explain later count. Damn it. And we had two <laughs> quarries, one in the Underwater Menace and one in the Macro Terror. More to come. But that does mean 
adding those to our previous counts, the total series count for camp count is now at 76.5 across four seasons. The I'll explain later count is at a measly one. Oy, that's going to grow. That is going to grow, <laughs> particularly yes, when we get will. to the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then Quarry Quarry has doubled and is now at four. I would invest heavily in Quarry Quarry as we get to the third doctor. <laughs> Just want to point that out right yes. now. Yes. Yes, yes, that is a good time to buy stock in Quarry Quarry. And then, finally, let's look at how we all rated these. Let's start with Riley. What do you think were your highest rated stories, or were you actually writing this down this time around? <laughs> I'm not going to get caught out this time. <laughs> uh, I believe that my two highest rated were the Macro Terror and the Underwater Menace. No. No. It was the Macro Terror and the Moon Base with eight points the each. The Moon Base. Okay. So, okay. All right. Underwater Moon is probably at seven, and I had another one at 7.5. But the okay. Planet. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's a, and okay. your worst was the Smugglers with five points. Yeah. I feel that will be steady for all of us. You actually rated the Smugglers higher than anyone else did. Uh. Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Julie. If you had to guess, what do you think was your uh, highest? I think the Macro Terror was probably my highest. Eight points. Yep. Correct. I don't know if I had another eight-pointer. I know I had some 7.5s. You had the Underwater Menace and the Moon Base at 7.5, but no other eight-pointers. I thought the Highlanders was 7.5 as well. I've got that down as a seven. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And you gave the Smugglers three points. Well, yes. <laughs> I was being generous, I think, as well. <laughs> <laughs> done i think my highest was probably power of the daleks which i think i gave a nine and my least favorite was this segment which i gave negative five out of ten screw your spreadsheets (laughs) (laughs) otherwise known as the smugglers yes also known i gave this highest three points oh my god did right and then I gave the Power of the Daleks nine points and the Smugglers two points, meaning I gave what I think might actually be the lowest rating anyone has given on this show so far. Um, if I recall correctly, I don't think anyone else has been that harsh yet. There's still plenty of Doctor Who to come. I would like to defend myself in saying the reason why I gave five points to the Smugglers was that I was just merciful that it was only four episodes. <laughs> I was going to say, you, you didn't even have the excuse that you went first that week. Don went it's first. awful, but the portions are small. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was about it. I was just thankful for that. <laughs> but with our scores, the top three, when we average everyone's scores out, were the Moon Base and the Macro Terra, which were joint first with 8.13, and the Power of the Daleks with eight points in third place. Hmm. Unsurprisingly, the Smugglers was in last spot with 3.25 points, followed by the Faceless Ones with six points. So you can see the, the real discrepancy. Mm-hmm. Incidentally, The Smugglers is the worst rated story we have come across so far. I think the next lowest was Galaxy 4, which had an average of 3.88, and then nothing else is averaged below 4. God, Galaxy 4 got that low? Wow. Yes. Okay. I don't know. I must be looking back at it fondly for some reason. Or not... Chumblies. I mean, come on. Chumblies. Krill. Close-ish. We had the massacre at 4.13. I mean, can we do this? Can we allow... I mean, for just 15 cents a day, these chumblies (laughs) could... 
could be could be taken care of and helped. <laughs> just if you just pick up the phone now. For the price of one really bad cup of coffee. <laughs> But that gave us a season average among the four of us of 6.9 points, which made it the second best season so far, despite being mostly missing, behind season two, which we had yeah. at 7.29. Oh, 7. season, oh, season two. two. was a strong uh, season. Oh, man. Chef's, chef's kiss. <sighs> and interestingly, everyone follows that pattern as well. When you average everyone's points out individually, we all have the highest averages for this after season two, so we're pretty consistent, which I wasn't expecting. But now I've bored everyone with the wonderful art of math. That you didn't do yourself, yes. Yeah, I, I did using a spreadsheet because, you know, let's automate that. We are going to call it a night. We would normally do Facebook questions at this point, but I've been really busy and forgot to ask on Facebook, so we didn't get any. <laughs> so never mind we will be back next time around when we are going into the tomb of the cybermen yes in the meantime you know what i'm gonna say i'm gonna tell you where all of our previous episodes are they're on your favorite podcasting app and where you can also interact with us facebook instagram and twitter at watches4d and also how you can email us watches4d at gmail.com if you're enjoying the show please do subscribe and leave us a review or rating on your favorite podcasting app. All of those things really do help us out. But for now, as always, thank you very much for listening and have a good one. You have been listening to Watchers in the Fourth Dimension with Don Smith, Riley Shrek, Julie Philippeck, and myself, Anthony Williams. This episode, Screw Your Spreadsheets, was recorded on Wednesday the 5th of August 2020. And remember, while the season may have ended with the final end of the Daleks, they'll be back. They're always bloody back eventually.